Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Here in the studio, I have a good friend of mine, uh, Robert LeBlanc with LeBlanc and Smith. Thanks for yep. joining me. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. College classmates. Yes, I love whenever um, my phone of friends are always there for me, and uh, Robert is always there for everybody. So thank you so much. Um, I just had to get you on the show because we have to talk about we have to talk about food, and I know that you and I can talk about food for hours, but. Particularly, you know, the restaurants that y'all have with LeBlanc Smith and pretty much, you know, I feel like here in New Orleans, we have so many restaurant choices Mm -hmm. and they're all so delicious. It's almost, I almost feel like we have to all start eating out like three days a week. Yeah, there's never been a better time to be a diner in the city of New Orleans. I truly believe that because all the institutions, all the grand dames that people have loved throughout time still exist, and they are fantastic um, in some respects, maybe better than they ever have been. That's a subjective statement, but and we're all biased. It's our peer group now. Um, and then all the new restaurants that have opened, and I think part of that is a reflection of more people having access to more resources. And people assume that's financial, but it's really not. It's information that you can get on the Internet that you couldn't get 15, 20 years ago. And you can open a restaurant, and you can run a smaller operation. If it's run the right way, you can make a great life. And so people who 15, 20 years ago were only chefs or maitre d's or general managers are now restaurant owner and operators. And so it's been a really cool time for New Orleans and it's been prolific. You know, one of the things I'm I've only been in this community for about six years and I I realized that there are so many industries out there where. You know, competitors don't talk. Competitors don't get along. They can't be in the same room. And tonight I'm doing an event for the Hospitality Foundation, and I have six chefs from different restaurants who volunteered to help pull it off. And you realize this is the restaurant family goes beyond just your restaurant. It's like a whole family here in New Orleans. But it's one of the things that makes it so fun. Also, I think it's one of the reasons why it makes it a little bit easier for people to maybe open places here than they would in other cities because it is not uh, as competitive an environment. It's obviously competitive, but... There's this really interesting phenomenon here, which I think is absolutely true, that if you open a restaurant and you perform the best you can possibly perform, you will be successful regardless of what anyone else is doing. So you don't really have this idea of, I'm not doing well because there's a competitor down the street who's eating my lunch. It is, I'm not doing well because our food's a little inconsistent, or we put a brunch menu out that maybe doesn't have enough sweet options on the brunch menu. It's always, you can always control it. And so... What that allows you to do is you can become friends with all these other people. And when you do that, so I had lunch with Justin Devalier on on Friday, and he's become a great friend with La Petite Grocery in Belize. And, you know, there are times where he talks me off the ledge. There are times where I'm talking him off the ledge. Um, to, and we're on ledges every now and then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, every other day, every other day. You visit with Adolfo Garcia on Monday. He's a fantastic contributor to our community, and he's been particularly great with the generation of restaurateurs that came right behind him. So, you know, I feel like this industry, we're drawn to it. Once we get our feet wet and we are we are cooking and we are working in restaurants, there's no going back. And you, 
I, you know, I tell my husband all the time, I just, my soul cannot live back in an office where I have to sit still all day long. <laughs> no doubt. And, and look, we, we get, everybody sort of is intimidated by it because they say it's a lot of work and it is a lot of work, but you're married to an attorney and being an attorney is a lot of work. Anything that is worth doing well requires a ton of work. And so once you get past that, there are so many cool things that people don't talk about enough. Like our industry is one of the industries where you can see the instant gratification you create for people. It's literally one of the only industries where you create a product, an experience, a service for someone, and you can literally see the joy on their face that you created for them. And you can't do that. Steve Jobs never did that with with an iPod and an iPad, as many people as he affected. It just, you don't get the same. And, and you know, maybe we are drawn to instant gratification, and but there's also instant remedy. You know, if I feed something to somebody and I see their face and I know it's not right, I can fix it before they walk out the exactly. door. And exactly. there's something, and maybe it's control issues too, <laughs> but, you know, knowing that we can make people happy, feed them good food, and when they leave, they they were part of our family experience Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing that I think is really important about restaurants today and we all live in a digital world. We all live through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And so we know how divisive the world can be in a digital platform. But when you get people into the same space and put them together at a table over shared food and drinking experiences, you'd be amazed how we all realize how much more we have in common versus how much we have that we disagree upon. And, and those disagreements that seem so loud in kind of a digital context in interpersonal context, like sharing a meal together. It's, it's not it, quite as big of a it's, deal, right? It's minimal. It doesn't matter. And so you can create community, which I think is really important today because we need human beings, need community. We need social outlets. And I think we have a platform with bars and restaurants now. And it's always been something that I've loved, but I think it's really important now, maybe more important than it has been in a long time. And not to be, not to take it too seriously or to make it something that it's not, but I think getting different people from different backgrounds and different belief systems into the same room and entertaining them together really, really goes a long way. So let's talk about this because, you know, we're talking about technology and um, it's all over the map. And my husband is always like, Amy, do you really have to take a picture of that? And I'm like, I do, because one, that's how I'm going to remember what I ate so that I can reinvent the dish when I get home. But, you know, I like to sometimes think that I'm sharing, you know, food and fun and my experiences with other people through social media. But then you go, like, I went to a, a show and they pretty much put everyone's cell phone in a Kevlar container right. and said, no, put your phone down and connect. And so how do we balance, you know, connecting, but also sharing all at the same time? Do we have, like, do we say, like, Tuesdays? is like no technology day or do we? Yeah. So it's weird. So, so we, you know, we get asked that question a lot as restaurateurs, do you get offended when people have their phones out or taking pictures of food and drinks? And of course not. We, if people are inspired enough or moved by something we created enough to take a picture that they want to share with people, we're flattered by that. So it doesn't bother us, but I have developed a position that is, I, I don't think social media is healthy if people are all consumed by it. But I think if you genuinely use it, as a more efficient way to connect with people in your life with whom you want to exchange thoughts, feelings, ideas, and experiences. And if you're also on social media 
to support and comment on other people's things and to engage with other people's interests and likes. Not just be like, look at me. It's a fantastic <laughs> thing. But I do think you should stack it. So I think I think when you are at a meal with your husband, something comes out, I think take a picture and then don't have the cell phone on the table. The cell phone should be in your pocket and enjoy yourself because life is small and life is fleeting and you should enjoy the moments while you have them. That being said, when you're engaged with social media in bed before you go to sleep or in the morning right when you wake up, spend don't just spend five minutes telling everybody what you were doing and what you like. Spend 10 minutes or 15 minutes, five of which is you sharing things that moved you from the night before or the day before, and five of which or 10 of which are learning what other people were moved by or learning what other people are doing and then positively engaging those things. And I think if we do that with social media, I think it's it, it does what it was altruistically intended to do. If we just put our own stuff out there or we use it to just passively look and create envy within ourselves about the glorious life that everybody's living while we're getting ready <laughs> the, for work. The, and, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it may look glorious. Yeah, that's the only thing that people put on there. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you don't put the, the fact that you rear-ended somebody at the stoplight no or that the dry cleaner shrunk your pants two no inches doubt. too short, no right? <laughs> you know, there. I, I think it's a great idea. And I do try to keep, like, my phone, I, I'll take my picture and now I've started putting it in my purse because I have to actively think, do I really want to get my phone out of my purse? Everyone at the table will see that process. And, it, you know, sometimes we have to do things to make us rethink our choices, right? No doubt. And, and look, the thing about putting the phone away is when you are present in experiences, like we're present in this interview, if, if I'm checking my text messages and, and I could pull that off, I could have the interview and be kind of half in, half out, checking text messages, keeping up with social media or emails. I'm just not present. So I don't get as much joy from the experience as I'm getting right now because I'm fully engaged and I'm not distracted in any way. And, and I do feel like we as restaurateurs get to see that a lot. You see people who sort of halfway engage in dining experiences. And it's okay. And then when you see people fully immersed in the experience, they and not get just the, the people, experience. exactly, exactly. And that's not just with restaurant experiences. That's any experiences: coffee with friends, watching a kid's ball game, going to a niece or nephew's play. Um, I, I believe that pretty wholeheartedly, and I've studied this pretty astutely because I do believe, you know, while everyone talks about the ills of social media, I think it's just like anything else. If it use, it's used the right ways, it's great. If it's not, but when we talk about and, and even though we have five spots now, you know that I'm still an independent restaurateur at heart. That's where my preferences sort of lie. That's what we hope to sort of support and, and responsibly emulate. And I'll tell you, when we talk about this proliferation of restaurants in New Orleans and across the country, one of the reasons why that's possible is because advertising and marketing used to cost tens of thousands of dollars. And, you know, for a restaurant that makes fifty or sixty thousand dollars, which is a good living if someone's earning a forty or forty five thousand dollar chef salary on top of a fifty thousand dollar profit, that's a great living for someone who's doing what they love to do. You couldn't do that if you had to spend thirty six, forty thousand dollars a year on marketing. And nope. now you don't. You can use Facebook and you can use Instagram and you can use Twitter and you can use LinkedIn and you can get as much exposure, if not more, than we could 15, 20 years ago, spending forty, fifty thousand dollars a year on print advertising and billboards and radio. Absolutely, and, you know we're seeing the marketplace change, and I think we're seeing diners change. So, what what do you think that diners are looking for these days? I think diners. So, I think diners are looking for a sense of place. Mm -hmm. So, I think diners are looking to go someplace where they feel 
even if it's their first time there, they feel welcome, they feel comfortable, they feel supported. They're in an environment where it doesn't feel like you're just trying to get their seat back in 45 minutes so you can do yes. four turns a night. So I think that's really important. I think that's probably universally the most important thing today because there's so many great options. Um, the next thing is I think people want food that is on the one hand comfortable and nourishing, yes. but on the other hand, inspiring. And you can do that. You can do both. And there are some great examples of places that, that are doing that right now in New Orleans. I think that Margie's Grill is doing a fantastic job with that. I think. Uh, Don't Pal- tell everybody about I know, them. <laughs> I know, I know. It's the best <laughs> restaurant to open in the last five Marge's. years. We love you, and uh, I don't want everyone yeah. to know. <laughs> yep, those guys are those guys are great. Um, I think Ken's doing a great job with that, um, creative, but it's still at the same time comforting, and and so that's an interesting part of it. And I also think people are looking for setting, and setting doesn't have to be expensive to create. When I say setting, it doesn't mean you're spending a million dollars on the interior of a space, but. What's the playlist playing and how is the team engaging the guests and how is the team fostering a communal feeling among guests? Even if you don't talk to someone at the table next to you, do you feel comfortable with them being next to you because of the way the team's engaging everyone in a friendly and cordial way? And so I think people are looking for a feeling now and it's more of a a choice that they make with their souls and their hearts Mm -hmm. as opposed to a choice that they made scientifically with their brains or with their palates five years ago, where it was really just about food and distinct food profiles and places that were doing insane creative food. I think everybody's doing really good food now. One of the things that I, you know, I like is, you know, I like to get dressed up and go out to eat, but sometimes I just, I want really good food, but I'm, I don't want to have to get fancy, Right. but I want to feel fancy if I'm going out to pay for my food. And so I feel like finding places that really hit that right balance of, you know, you can come after work and still feel fancy, but not spend a ton of money, but you can still go to that same place on a Saturday night and get dressed up and not look out of place. And so trying to find that balance of like fancy and casual it, it to so you're comfortable no matter how you show up. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think you do that a little bit with price point. And and this is not saying this judgmentally, but we try to keep all of our prices in the twenties for entrees a little bit less expensive. It's our goal to have people come once a week or once every two weeks, not just come once every six months for a special occasion. But at the same time, people do come for special occasions, and I think you just have to realize what people are there for and honor it accordingly. Mm-hmm. So you and George, you went out and played golf all day and you roll in to Mobar just for, we're going to probably send you a beer and a shot. But if you and George come in to celebrate your anniversary on a Saturday night and you guys are a little bit better dressed up, he's in a jacket, we'll probably send you guys a round of champagne or a bottle of champagne. Same people, people that we know really well, but it's two different experiences. So we have to be intuitive to understand what you guys are doing at that time. And I think people have gotten really good at that. In restaurants. I think so too. And you know, there's something I, I joke um, because, you know, Arno's is very dear to our family and we go to Arno's for our special occasions. And there was some event uh, back when they were still together, Brad and Angelina were there. And uh, we had a reservation and Brad and Angelina were a little upset. They had to wait for a table because they were Brad and Angelina. And 
you know, my family joked, no, no, we're the Sins family. We come here all the time. This is our table because New Orleanians are very self-important. And when you're regular somewhere, you want to be treated like regular no and no one else it. should step up ahead of There's you, no right? There's no doubt about it. And look, we, we get them in the restaurants a really good bit. And that's the reason why celebrities love New Orleans, because they can walk down the street and nobody treats them any differently. I mean, this is a town that worships cooks and horn players. So <laughs> there's literally an occasion everybody in the French Quarter talks about. Lenny Kravitz is walking down one side of the street, Royal Street. Trombone Shorty was walking down the other side of Royal Street. And nobody messed with Lenny Kravitz, whatever. And <laughs> Trombone Shorty got mobbed. Because, you um, know, that's who we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so I love what y'all are doing at the properties. And I know y'all have Sylvain, Mobar, Barrel Proof, Cabin, and now Longway. Um, Mobar is like my neighborhood restaurant. Yeah. It's two blocks away. I can walk. Um, in fact, I, I'm going to tell everybody a secret. Um, my husband's on a diet. He's been on a low carb Damn it, diet. Oh, it's killing me. So the other night I made this beautiful blackened fish and I had asparagus and all these things and we ate dinner and I was starving after dinner because... It was all, there were no carbs. And my husband is a pretty big guy, but somehow he said he was full. And a neighbor stopped over and said, I'm going to run down the street and get a drink. Do you want to go? And I said, yeah. And so we're walking. I said, let's pop into Mobar and have our drink there. Next thing you know, I had a bowl of French fries. <laughs> we got the scallops. You we have got, to. We got everything. And so I'm like, I had two dinners, but I had to carb load. But it's the kind of place like we just... We were going to walk in, into a bar, and I said, why not go to a place that is vibrant like a bar, but we can sit down and have food. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> that's, was, I think the that's fries important. are delicious. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's not just us. Tons of restaurants are doing it. I think, you know, candidly, we sort of got that idea from Patois, which opened in 2007, probably to this day, still my wife and I's favorite restaurant, and it felt the same way. And it was just because it was really good doesn't mean that it has to be inaccessible or stuffy. And at Patois, you always felt like you could walk in and grab a beer at the bar if you wanted to, but you could go and have a really nice meal with your parents. And that was a really important lesson for us to learn. And it, and it it's they still do it to this day. And I think I think they set a great example for all the rest of us. And when people people talk about Sylvain a lot and give Sylvain a lot of credit for being this place that was the first to treat the French Quarter like a neighborhood again. Mm -hmm. And there's always been great restaurants in the French Quarter, but a place where people felt like you could just kind of pop into without a planned occasion or without a coat on and get a great meal. And the reality of it is we're proud of that, but we learned that from Patois. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to make sure that we honor what we learned from those guys with all of our places. And we try to do it with all of our places. And I appreciate you guys treating Mogar that way. Look, talking about George's no-carb diet. So <laughs> I've like I have a cheat on that. I have a workaround on that. Okay. All right. Please give me all the okay. insight. Because I did it because like I was, you know, in our business, you can, you can, as you know, like you're just not paying attention. You have events, you have to go to a food and wine festival. I, and I'm a 250 pound guy, so I can put on 20 pounds literally in two weeks. And so, and then take it off in like a week. It, I did this, I did the, the slow carb thing where it's like no carbohydrates, whatever. It worked like a charm, but it was miserable. Yes. Just miserable. Yes. Just no fun. You're not enjoying life. And I'm like, you know what? God forbid if I got hit by a car today and like that was the last thing I ate was <laughs> like black beans and salsa with a fried egg on top. Like that's not living. That's not how I want to live. So did a lot of research. 
Are you, uh, have you guys looked at intermittent fasting at all? That's what he just started doing. This is so funny. We're going to have to do a whole show on that. (laughs) You have to do a whole show on that. So it's a total workaround. It's a total cheat. It's like as long as you go, I think there's ranges. Some people people do 12 hours. Some people do 16 hours. I've seen some people that do 20 hours. But as long as you go, and and now look, you can't go drink a keg of beer in those four hours. But as long as you go a long time without eating, you can eat steak and fries. You You can do things. Again, within reason, and it seems to be working for me. We had Tales of the Cocktail. So I don't do it. I do it very selectively. But we had Tales of the Cocktail, which, as you know, is like it's all about 20,000 people who want to come in and eat and drink yes. and meet people who are involved in that industry in New Orleans. And so you're literally out seven days in a row eating and drinking. But I did intermittent fasting, and I would just not eat until dinner. And I'd eat a huge dinner, and I'd eat a huge dinner before I started drinking. And ate and drank kind of like an idiot and didn't put on any weight whatsoever. So I'm into it. All right. So tell well, George. So I'm into it. So I love fasted. this because I love that we, we we sat down to talk about restaurants and now we're like, how can we work around the diets that I, we look, need to be on in this industry no with doubt. our lives? No doubt. Because that's the kind of, you know, the thing is like, you go, gosh, we have so much good food. We are so spoiled and it's so readily available to us in this city. And do you really want to have just eaten an egg white omelet? No, life That's, is too no, short it's to not. eat only egg whites. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be identified as the person that only eats the egg white omelet. <laughs> I'll tell you, my um my trainer called me on a Sunday, and he goes, "Amy, do it. Can you can you meet me? It's really important." I'm like, "Yeah, man. What you need?" He goes. It's my cheat day, and I needed someone who would have a cheeseburger with me. And I said, what kind of trainer are you that you're going to – but he wanted to go to pharmacy, That's and they awesome. ended up being closed. But we went to the new Lakeview Harbor, but I'm like, here I am. I haven't been to the gym in a month, but my trainer still calls me because I'm the person that eats the cheeseburger. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> well, so I know we have just a little bit of time, but we are in the thick of things with culinary, summer dining – what do you all have going on with LeBlanc Smith at the restaurants? So, so we, look, we, you know this, you're a friend, a close friend, and you have been for a long time. We have not been good as a company with marketing. I think we do a good job with branding, and I think we did a decent job with social media, but we didn't really understand marketing. So we're working with Bon Maroc, a marketing firm, and we're also working with a PR firm now who has taught us a lot in the six months. And so it's very strange that it, we're going to talk about culinary. So we're doing culinary this year. We did it four or five years ago and it didn't really work, didn't really move the needle. Now, to be honest, we probably half-assed it. Like the most you can charge is $39. And so we probably just sort of just limped into it instead of hitting it at a full speed uh, sprint. And so this year we developed really robust culinary menus. So there's three options in every category. It's $30. So it's a fantastic deal. And that's important to us because we want it to be an opportunity for people who haven't tried our restaurants to come in and try some things that they might love. And I got to tell you, Amy, it's been huge in August for us, and I am blown away. And I'm also really upset with myself. I'm kicking myself because we haven't done it the last four or five years. But it's been it's been incredible. It's been awesome. And, and, and we're getting a bunch of fun diners in who have not been into the spaces or they haven't been in for two years because they're really invested in the culinary program and they really want to support local restaurants in what is typically the slowest month of the year. So we're doing culinary at all of our spots. It's a $30 menu and um, three options in the starter category, three options in the entree category, three options in the dessert category. And 
to be honest, you know our style. You could probably request something that's not on that culinary menu to be subbed out, and you'd get it at our spots. But it's been fun. It's been awesome. And people are having a blast with it. So is our team. So are there any dishes on it that you go, oh, my God, this is so delicious, and we will forever have this on the menu going forward? Or do you go, this is our opportunity to experiment or to just give people the favorites that they're used to? We were giving them the favorites that they're used to. So we will add some things. And so like if we're experimenting with something, we'll, we'll give people four options instead of three options. Um, but we just, we, we give the most popular things. And I would say of everything that we have, it's for me, and it's a little guilty pleasure, but since this intermittent fasting, why not, yeah, right? Yeah, hey, it's the, you it's can the, do whatever you the, want. The cabin double stack cheeseburger. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, so why don't you tell our listeners what your restaurants are and where they're located so they so, can go out? Um, in the French Quarter, we have Sylvain, which is the first restaurant in our group. Uh, we have Mobar, which is on North Rampart Street, which is in the kind of the theater district, really fun, right near your apartment, your house. And we have Longway Tavern, which is a low-key tavern. It's probably, the food's great, but it's probably a half step below Sylvain and Mobar. Get in the terms. home fries. Sorry. <laughs> in terms, no, no, thank you. In terms of, of just needing repair and plan, it's, it's just a pop-in tavern. So we have Barrel Proof, which is a, a whiskey and beer bar in the Lower Garden District, 1201 Magazine. And we have Cabin Uptown, which is kind of a, it's a 140-year-old decaying old Garden District mansion. And it feels like there's a dinner party being thrown every night if that dinner party was playing ACDC and it was in a 140-year-old mansion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So are y'all open every day? Yes, one open, of your places is open every day. No, we so we open every day. All of them are open seven days a week. Um, New Orleans has gotten that busy. People used to close on Mondays because it wasn't so busy or people were cooking red beans and rice and all these traditions. Well, New Orleans has gotten so busy that it's worth being open every day. And we do lunch um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, lunch slash brunch at all of them. And that we will maybe eventually do lunch, but we kind of feel like you're going to order a beautiful piece of fish. We want you to feel like you should be ordering a glass of wine with yeah. it, not a well, glass of iced tea. So I don't Tuesday think there's lunch, a rule for day drinking. I know, I know. But <laughs> Tuesday lunch, people were ordering iced teas. We find on Friday lunch, they order a glass of wine or a glass of sparkling. So it's a little more fun. Well, awesome. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining me. For my no listeners out there, y'all get out, Sylvain, Mobar, Barrel Proof, Cabin, Longway, but really get out and eat in New Orleans. We have so many restaurants, culinaries going on. You could go out every day for yeah, the next look, month. You know, and one point to that is just what you did at Mobar and every restaurant's like this. Like it doesn't going out to eat does not have to be a huge two and a half hour commitment where you're gonna spend fifty five bucks, sixty bucks just for yourself or twice that for a couple, you can just go grab a beer at a bar and grab a hamburger, or you can grab a beer and an appetizer. You can be in and out, tip beautifully for 20 bucks. So it doesn't always have to be a lot of pomp and circumstance, and it doesn't always have to be expensive. And we as restaurateurs love that. We love seeing people come in and have a good time. So yeah. don't don't be intimidated by uh, just popping up unannounced well, ever. Go out, eat, eat all the time, eat often. I tell people if you're not eating every three hours, except for, I guess, when you're fasting like Robert, yep. um, you're doing something wrong. Uh, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.